So an A-level student writes back to their parents, Dear Mom and Dad, I don't want you to worry, but I've decided to drop out of A-levels. I know this comes as a great surprise, but I don't need study anymore because I've decided to accept the marriage proposal from the gardener here at the school, and we are running off together. I know you'll be happy for us and your new grandchild, which should be here within the year. And I'm also excited because he's decided to pursue his career in music. It may be a rough start, but we hope one day we'll be able to make some money. P.S. None of the above is true, but I didn't get all my points I was hoping for on O-levels. I just wanted you to keep it in perspective. You know, there are two ways to hide information. You have a report that you've got to take back to your parents that you do not want them to find. One way to hide it is to destroy it. Just put it to where they can't find it, and when they, and then they will ask what happened to it, and you can have that look of complete innocence. And you know, students, that we can tell when you're over trying to be innocent. Yes, father? No, I don't know what happened to my report. It's a complete mystery. You could just destroy it, but there's a second and more effective way because it's obvious, well, then why did you get rid of it? There's a second way, and that is to put so much information with it that they won't read it. So this is a top-secret bit of news. You can also bury things, and so you bring home piles of graded tests and papers and reports and forms and policies, and you just slip that report somewhere in the middle, and no one will read it. There you go. You're welcome. And I wonder today, as we think about God's Word, you see, for a long time, Satan kept God's Word out of people's hands. For many years, for almost a thousand years, it was kept out of the language of the local population, only in Latin, but not in common speech. And by doing so, Satan removed God's Word from our access. Uh, Only And so many people never got to have their own Bible. And then as time went on, God raised up, Satan raised up people that would destroy God's word, kings that would have it burned, people that were burned at the stake, martyrs died in order to get the Bible to you. And now I do not think that Satan any longer tries to keep God's word out of our hands by burning it, by keeping you from having it. He's decided the second method is far more effective, to so bury you in information that you forget to read it. Because we are in a time where because of smartphones and technology, you have so much information at your fingertips, it is easy to miss what is most important. It is easy to be told so much by so many people, to be following so many people on Instagram or Tumblr or other sites that you miss out on what is absolutely vital in your life. And I would hate for it if Satan uh, was able to keep you from God's word, not because it isn't around, but because you were listening to far too many voices, like the noise on the radio that gets louder and louder. When they invent noise-canceling headphones, Bose and many others have these headphones. When you put them on, it blocks out sound. But the way it blocks it out is actually by producing a small amount of sound, just a little bit louder, over one to two minutes And it just makes this little noise that gets louder and louder. And in doing so, it blocks out everything else. And I just wonder, as we're getting ready to head toward this season of uh, before Easter, it is perhaps important for us to make sure that we are uh, 
that we are getting rid of anything that is creating noise in our lives that is causing us to no longer hear the voice of God. So we're headed into this season that the church has called traditionally Lent. So I don't know if you grew up in a, in a church that did Lent growing up, but here, let me tell you why you should celebrate a season of intentional spiritual focus before Easter. And I'm going to use it by telling you how you can run faster. So this, if you don't want to do Lent, you can at least run faster. That science has shown that if you want people to run faster, one of the ways not to do it is to take students out and tell them to just run a very long time every day. If you want students to run fast, if you take them out and have them run 10 kilometers a day, so they're going and they're going, and you do it every day for a month, that would be really painful. Um, But here's what science would say, is that you will not get that much faster. And here's why. Because you will be training yourself to run slow. And what will happen is you will develop a habit the speed that you need to go to run 5Ks, here's my, here's my 10K speed. Are you ready? <sighs> Whew. Whew. Now, the problem is, is if I did this for a month, I'm not going to get faster because this is the pace that my body has now gotten used to. This has actually become permanent. And what they tell you now, if you want to run fast, don't just keep running. Run in short intervals. Run for 30 seconds as fast as you can and then stop and breathe and then run for 30 seconds as fast as you can because you need to train yourself to run faster than you're used to. And in our spiritual lives, if you want to grow closer to God, it is better for you to use a rhythm where there are seasons where you increase your spiritual devotion, where you increase your focus, where you are more intentional in your Bible study for a period of time For a period of time, you say, okay, for the next eight weeks, I couldn't do this forever, but for eight weeks, I'm going to pray like this. For eight weeks, I'm going to study God's word at least once. For eight weeks, I'm going to run faster toward God than I ever have before. And I can promise you this. If you pursue God on a rhythm, you will cover more ground in your life than if you simply try to continue the habits that have got you where you are right now. So we are going to enter this season, and this is a season for us where we re-examine the gospel message. Because one of the dangerous things we see in the New Testament is the possibility of following a different gospel. Here's what uh, Paul says in Galatians chapter 1. He says, you are following another gospel, which is no gospel at all. In other words, Paul is saying it is possible to use the name of Jesus, to say the phrase gospel, to say, I believe in the gospel. And Paul say, you are following another gospel. In other words, you've got the right words, but the wrong content. Well, how could you be sure that you are following after Jesus? And for us, it is to refocus on the person of Jesus. And we're going to do it this season through the gospel of Mark. But before we do that, I have a riddle for you guys. All right, so I'm going to draw a line up here. And it'll be, oh, come on. Let me try to make it thicker. Hold on. Okay, here we go. There's our line. Now, I'm going to ask you, how can I make that line shorter? How can I make that line shorter without touching it? All right, so I want you to think for just a second. How could you make that line shorter without touching it? Now, if you have an idea on how this could be accomplished, why don't you turn to the person next to you and share your great wisdom? Go ahead. How could you make that line shorter? Hey, 
Isabel, no cheating. I've already done that for you. All right, so do we have any ways? How could it be done? How can it be done? You got to speak loud. You got to proclaim it on the hilltops. Okay, if I move further away from the line, it will look smaller. Right? It'll look smaller. That could work. Or, here's a good way to do it. You ready for this? There. Now it's the shorter line. (laughs) Ah, you're like, ah, that's a stupid preacher trick right there. (laughs) Comparison. By placing something alongside of something else, we determine its value. You can think you're at one level, but when you are working alongside somebody else, it tells you how well you are doing. Classes are ranked. Speeds are listed. Income can be measured. And all those things that we can't measure, we can find ways to categorize by comparing what you have versus what I have. Our primary text this morning is from 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. I'm going to read it for us, but I want you to listen carefully. Here's what it says. We, that is the Apostle Paul, um, we do not classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. I'm not making this up. That's what it says. Let me read that again in case you got lost in the themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Thank you, Paul. I think that cleared us up. We, however, will not boast beyond our proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service of God himself has assigned us to. So Paul is talking about a group of people that have shown up in Corinth, and they're preaching the gospel... And the reason they have authorization to preach the gospel is because they say they have authorization to preach the gospel. That's what it means when it says they commend themselves. And so it's, they show up in town. Hey, are you, are you a real preacher? Oh yeah, look, look, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got certification. Certification right here. Ah, see? I say so. I say so right here. This is the Nathan Lawson Institute of Preaching. And look, I'm, I'm ordained now. They commend themselves. They compare themselves with each other. Well, I know I'm spiritual because look at him. I'm doing better than, I am doing more than, I know I am spiritual because I compare myself one to another. Studies have shown that uh, students in high school who get on Instagram for more than 30 minutes per day, 30 minutes per day in high school, have three times uh, the rate of depression. Three times the rate of depression as those who don't. The more they see on Instagram, the more depressed they get. And why would that be? Why would that be, do you think? Because however good you thought you were, there's somebody in the world who's doing it better than you are. However fast you think you are, I'm sure there's somebody out there who seems faster. However smart you think you are, there's somebody out there who is smarter. And the response from many people is to despair. But I'm going to say this morning that this is religion's great trap. 
For all religions in the world, all religions are built around having some kind of moral standard. And there's two basic things that happen. Either A, you don't keep the standard. You see everyone else in the group doing it and you, uh, keeping it and you can't keep it, so you feel shame and guilt. Woe is me, you say. I'm depressed because, look, I'm not as religious as those people. You stop going to church because you say, I don't belong there. I don't fit in. You say, I'm not as good as others. That is not for me. I've been disqualified. But the reverse is equally toxic, and that is you think you've kept the standard. You've set some standards, and you say, we've kept it. And then you walk around saying, well, gosh, I'm in a good place because at least I'm better than you. I mean, I may not be as close to Jesus as I wish. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm just saying I'm better than you. We used to have trucks in eastern Kentucky like those in going up Zaka. When you get behind a sugar truck going uphill in Zaka, it may be going slow, but it's in front of you. And for many people, they know they're doing well, not because, yeah, they say, I should pray more, I should read my Bible more, but if you look around, I think I'm about as good as most people. In fact, I'm probably above average. If I were to ask you guys this morning, your spiritual life, would you say you are at the same level as your peers or a little bit above average? Don't answer out loud. Just in your head. Maybe a little bit above. I mean, I'm probably a little better than the average person. Not perfect, but a little better. You see, there's a, the trap of religion is no matter which side you end up on, uh, when you are using an external moral standard in a group and basing your spirituality on comparison, you either end up in shame or in pride. You either have arrogance or you have guilt. And it is an unavoidable trap. Because they try to cure pride by saying, you are worthless, you are a sinful person before God. And you're like, oh, I won't be prideful then. I'll be shamed. And so you work on shame for a little while, but then you really start doing your prayers because you feel so much shame. And you're doing your prayers pretty good. In fact, I'm probably more of a, I'm probably a more honest sinner than the average person. I'm honest about my sin. I'm way more honest. In fact, Listen, other people are faking it, but I'm going to tell you, I'm probably the most honest and humble person in this room. And what ends up happening is no matter how you pursue God, if you do it based on comparison, Paul says, here's his phrase, they, they compare themselves with themselves, and they are not wise. That's a nice apostle way of saying it's stupid. That's what Paul's saying. It's stupid. They know that they're doing a good job because they are comparing themselves with each other. But this is not the nature of the gospel. The nature of the gospel is we fix our eyes on Christ himself. So no matter where we are at, we know we have further to go. But because it is based on the person of Jesus, Jesus' command to Peter was not, Peter, I see you're a fisherman. Mm, 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 mm. I am so disappointed in you. You're barely praying. You're out there fishing all the time. I can't believe somebody like you. I'll tell you what, if you follow me around for a while, then I might be able to make something out of you, you lowly worm. Jesus just says, don't worry about your past. Follow me. He doesn't uh, recruit people using guilt. In fact, did you know that throughout the book of the Gospels and Acts, not one person is converted by saying, you are all sinners going to hell. Therefore... If you don't, if you are all sinners going to hell, therefore you must do this, the X, Y, Z. Otherwise you will not be able to get into heaven. Although it's, although we know the truth of our sinfulness and the truth of coming into heaven, this is not the message Jesus proclaims. Not because it's not true, but because what it ends up doing is losing the focus from the following the person of Jesus to your own spirituality. 
We are not to compare ourselves with others. The uh, full extent of our gospel is to proclaim the person of Jesus. My wife was running a 5K in this little city called Woodruff. I mean, I'm not going to brag or anything, but I won that 5K, just for the record. I got first place, but that doesn't matter. Anyway, so we're running this 5K, which I won, which again, doesn't matter. And uh, and the thing about it is, is, is it wasn't a really well-marked race. Like, I was following a, a police car, but that was the only indication on where the race was, which means once you got more than half a K behind, good luck. So my wife's jogging with, uh, you know, some groups of ladies and some other people, and she's jogging, and she's jogging, and then she's wondering if she should turn. So she looks behind her, and she sees all these people coming, and she's jogging straight, and she sees, well, they didn't turn, so I guess, I mean, this is right, so I'll keep going. So she keeps going. What she doesn't know is they are behind her thinking to themselves, do we turn here? I'm not sure. Let's watch her. And they're watching Tessa saying, well, she didn't turn. And so they're going and they're going and they're they're looking back. She's looking backwards. They're looking forward. She's looking backwards. They're looking forwards. And a while some officials were standing at the finish line, me and like three or four other people are standing at the finish line and there's nobody coming. Like an entire town filled with like ropes and color and, and music and like, we seem to be missing the people from this race. Um, no one's here. And they're all looking, it's like, well, they went forward, so I'm going forward, and I'm following that guy. Well, I'm following them. And so everyone's just jogging, and you just see on the other side of the town, going the wrong direction, back toward Greenville, there goes another, like, 600 racers. Goodbye, guys. See ya. Police running over with their cars. The race actually ends in downtown. Uh, Of course, people going back. But wouldn't it be terrible, though, if your spiritual life was so based on comparison with your peers and those around you in your immediate vicinity, that you didn't realize that you were just lost together. Wouldn't it be awful if you based your sense of, I know who Jesus is because, well, I've never looked into it for myself, but, you know, I kind of do basically what everyone else does, and so I know it must be right. Wouldn't it be terrible if you realized that you were just lost together? The call for us this season is to refocus on the gospel, and for us it's going to be the gospel of Mark. We're going to read through the Gospel of Mark at least twice between starting next Sunday through to Easter. So that's seven weeks. It is the shortest Gospel. So if you just want to pick the one that is not going to take them very much time, read the Gospel of Mark. We are going to read it, and then we are going to read it again, and then we are going to pray through it, and then we are going to study through it, just so that we can be sure that our eyes are firmly fixed on Jesus. We are going to lose a sense of comparing ourselves with those around us. We are going to get rid of shame or pride and instead focus on the person of Jesus. Paul says we do not dare commend ourselves, but we do boast within the proper sphere of God's service. Paul said it is not inappropriate at times to talk about our victories in the Lord. It is not inappropriate at times to talk about all that God is doing. It is not inappropriate to brag about what God is doing, but we need to be careful, Paul says, that it is based on our pursuit and service of Jesus. This one thing I do, we said in January, I, uh, I fix my eyes on Him. Forgetting what is behind, I pursue what is ahead, um, running with conviction the race that God has marked out for us. In 2 Corinthians, we see that Paul's compare, Paul is surrounded by guys who have compared themselves and by doing so have gotten farther and farther from the gospel. If we go back to 1 Corinthians, we know that the church is already divided into factions. Some follow Apollo. 
Some follow, um, some follow Peter. Some follow Paul, and Paul says, I don't even have a group, and some of you guys are following me, apparently. What happens when we take our eyes off Jesus and fix on each other is we begin to focus on our differences. You go to this church, and I go to that church. You follow this celebrity, but I follow that one. You sing this way, but I sing that way. When we stare sideways, our chance for unity is diminished because our only basis for who is doing things right are those who look and sing like us. But when we pursue Jesus... When we put ourselves in the proximity of people who are also pursuing Jesus, you will find yourself coming in contact with the people that you would least expect. For we know as we walk through the Gospels that Jesus himself sits with a Samaritan woman at the well. We know that Jesus draws tax collectors and sinners to himself. We also know that Jesus sits down in the house of religious leaders. We also know that Jesus goes to the Jewish festivals. Both the highly religious and the highly non-religious are all the kinds of people who hang out with Jesus. And if you pursue him instead of a spirituality based on comparison, this I can promise you, you will be around people that you would least expect. People who don't sing and worship the same as you. So that's going to be our challenge today as we go home. I'm going to have in the back, we have a commentary on Mark. Um, so if you have not studied through a gospel before, or even if you had, it can be helpful to have a, a side thing that we're going to read together with it. So we're going to have a sign up in the back. It's going to be $3 a book if you want to buy that. Um, if you're at Southeastern College, if you uh, sign up for the book, I can have Isabel bring it to class uh, so you guys can follow along with us and be studying where you're at. But everyone else, we're going to be praying this week, God, next week is the start of my season of preparation. God, what do I need to get rid of to shut down the noise? Maybe for seven weeks you say, I will not watch movies in the evening for seven, just seven weeks because I don't want my spirituality to be based on what I see on entertainment. Maybe for just seven weeks, not the rest of your life. I'm not saying movies are evil. I'm just saying for a period of time, I'm going to shut off the Facebook feed. I'm going to delete it off my phone. And for seven weeks, I'm going to, re going to shut down the noise and make sure that I'm walking in the right direction. Maybe for seven weeks, you say, I'm going to use my lunchtime to pray with a coworker or a friend. Not forever. I'm not asking you to start a brand new. Just for seven weeks, say, I am going to make space at my job. I'm going to make space at my school. I'm going to make space at my home for just seven weeks. I want to make sure that I'm pursuing Jesus, that I can hear his voice, that I'm not filled with shame or the guilt that I was never meant to hold, that I'm pursuing the life that he made for me. So we're going to move toward our time of response today. We have on our right and on our left the, uh, the table. And this is not our table as our musicians come forward. This is not our table. This is Christ's table which means you don't need to be part of the Church of Christ denomination or any other denomination to be part of it. If you are friends with Jesus, you're friends with us. And specifically, if you have made a covenant decision to follow Jesus, any are welcome to come during this next song, to come forward, or we also have one in the back, and take communion either here or in the back. If you have made a covenant decision to follow Jesus during this song, as the Spirit leads you, you can come forward and take communion. But if you've never made that choice, we can say this is an excellent time. We're getting ready to move toward Easter. In fact, in the history of the church, this is the time when a lot of young people would say, you know what, the 40 days before Easter, Jesus spent 40 days in the desert, and so gosh, maybe in my life, this is going to be, be the beginning of my 40 days. I want this to be my time for God to begin to move and work in my life. And so this might be the perfect time for you to say, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. Just talk with myself or Pastor Mark or one of your teachers, and we would love to counsel with you about what it means to follow Christ.
We're going to stand during this song of response as we continue to lift up his name. Would you stand with us as we sing? <laughs>